This is a Pivotal Conversations podcast. Hey guys, I want to welcome you back to another episode. I hope you're having an amazing day. Uh, before we jump into the episode, um, which is uh, it's going to be a really, really cool episode, got a really amazing guest on, uh, I just want to give a shout out to my fellow Victorians and really anyone else who's is feeling the, the, the full force of the pandemic of, of COVID-19. I, I want to I give a shout out and just say, keep on keeping on, guys. Like I, I know that this is a really tough time. Um, we're all experiencing it. I think there's no more important time than to lean on family and friends, um, and make sure that you're just communicating, um, you know, and, and I want, I want to really extend, um, you know, our arms at Elite Vitality and, and, you know, from this podcast and to, to just say that, you know, we really, we really want you guys to communicate. We want you to make sure that we want to make sure that if you guys are really struggling, if you feel lost, if you just want some business advice, if you're not sure, um, you know, what to do during this time, if you're just feeling down or anything like that, that, you know, we're always open for communication. So if you reach out to us on the Elite Vitality Mastery Instagram or you reach out to me personally on my Instagram, if you want to shoot me an email at kyle at elitevitalitycoaching.com, um, you can and, and I'll be there for you. I'll unconditionally support. I think right now it's just a time where the more of us that are supporting each other and talking and communicating, the better. So, um, you know, that's the, that's a minimum standard for us now. So um, if you want to shoot me a message and, and get in contact, please do. It doesn't need to be business related. It can be about absolutely anything. If you're struggling mentally, anything like that, I'm just happy to listen um, and, and support. And, and especially, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you know, you, you, um, you know, you're a part of our community, and we want to make sure that we're supporting you. So feel free to reach out, guys. Don't be shy. All right, now into today's episode, we've got a really, really cool episode for you. Um, a good friend of mine and. I'd, I'd probably call him a mentor. You know, he's someone that I lean on quite heavily when I need advice. Um, he's someone who has has been where I want to go, and that's the the best thing about mentors is that you know when you when you when you, you can get advice and and kind of almost skip the mistakes, um, the big mistakes. You know, I'm all about making mistakes, but you can skip the big ones and get advice and and start to make true progress from some of the advice that you get from mentors. It, it truly is one of the the best things about networking and and um, especially in business. I absolutely love it. But on today's episode, we have Toby Scovron, who is the owner of Creative Cubes. So, for any of you guys that have followed us for a while, you see that we run workshops now. Creative Cubes is where we run our workshops from. So it's that beautiful space that you see in our videos, um, and it's also a, a co working space. It's where our office is located, um, and. It's just an amazing space, an amazing environment for for all to, for anyone to build a business. You know, we've got some some long term friends here. We have some great conversations here on a daily basis, and I can I can honestly say that it, um you know I love being there, and and I'm super productive there just because of the environment that it creates. But you know, more important importantly, um, in context to this episode, Toby, this is his second business. Now, Toby's first business was a company called Petlu which it's quite funny, but it was a, 
um, it was basically a loo um, for your pets. So it's a dog loo um, and it's a, it's a big grass square that you can have. So people in apartments and, and anyone who doesn't really have a big backyard, it, was, it, it replaced um, you know, where their, their pets go to the toilet. Now, the amazing thing about this company is Toby sold over a million units on Amazon. Um, it was doing um, 10, over 10 million a year in revenue. Um, before he sold it uh, and now he's in the co-working space and absolutely crushing that game as well but the interesting thing and, and the thing that I really want you guys to take away from this is that you know Toby built Petlu and went through the last financial crisis over in the states because that's where he actually ran the business from um, so he felt the full force of the last economic downturn and he's got a business now that has five locations, a co-working space. These these places are beautiful spaces and he's poured everything into those and, you know, he's going through obviously what we're all going through um, and, you know, it, it, it just, I think what you'll hear in this episode is it really does talk true to not only, to, you know, who Toby is as a person and a leader, but really what it takes to be a successful business owner in today's modern age. Black Swan events happen, randomness happens. We're going to go through, you know, the one thing I can say is it's not if but when, you know, you go through these tough times in business and Tobes is just a guy who I absolutely look up to because of his leadership and his ability to just unconditionally show up every single day and, and lift those up or lift the, the people around him up and, and make them better and I can honestly say that, you know, he's done that for me, just being around him and, and being able to have conversations with him and, and, you know, him taking the time out of his day has dramatically helped me as a person, um, as a leader and as a business owner. So a really, really cool episode coming up for you guys. There's going to be a lot of tips coming through from mindset. Now, we, we don't actually go through that, but what I can say is that if you listen carefully enough, you're going to really be able to take some things out of this episode that um, will deliver, deliver a whole heap of value to you. All right, guys, so before we jump into the episode, we are launching our next intake of Steel on the Walls, which is a business intensive that goes for three weeks where we teach your defense in business, how, you know, we, we and the, the goal of your defense in business is to improve your judgment. Good decisions cost you time and uh, good decisions make you time and money and bad decisions cost you time and money. So there really, really, there really hasn't been a more important time than right now to make good business decisions because they're almost going to cost you more time and more money um, if you're going in the wrong direction. So within the course, we teach three three core modules. Um, we cover cash flow, how to allocate capital um, and start um, getting more to the bottom line, more cash in the bank, intelligence, how to use metrics and data to make better business decisions and branding where we, we teach you the core principles of branding and then teach you how to apply it to your business so that you can create a brand that sticks around uh, for eternity, you know, like the Nikes um, and, and these kind of brands. That's that's really what we're trying to teach here and it really is your defense. When you integrate all three of those things together, what it does is it improves your judgment dramatically and allows you to make better decisions continuously. And as I said, that's where progress lies. So the next intake launches uh, August 31st. You can head on over to EliteVitalityMastery.net. Um, we teach this live. We, we teach it over a course of six lectures. Um, we assess you on every single module and we also have a workbook that you can work through which will help you apply it all to your business. Uh, so 
I won't hold you guys any longer, um, but we're super excited to be uh, launching. This is going to be Intake 4. We've had over 120 students go through with some amazing results coming um, from the back end, and they just keep trickling through as people apply it. Head on over, guys, um, if you're interested. But otherwise, as I said, as always, I really hope you enjoy this episode. This is an insight into, um, you know, what business can be um, and the possibilities um, from small ideas to to large corporations um, to selling businesses. You're going to get an insight into this episode into one of the OGs, in my opinion, um, in business and and some great insights. So I hope you enjoy the episode. If you be- if you really enjoy it, um, make sure you leave us a review and give it a share on your socials if you think other people can benefit from it. All right, guys, that's all. Big love. Hope you enjoy the episode. Um, that, that reminds me of a story my friend Phil Handy uh, spoke of, um, who is now, and he wasn't, but he's now the assistant coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. Mm. And in 2009, 2010, he was with the Lakers. Then he went off to Cleveland uh, to work with LeBron. Then he went up to Toronto to work with Kawhi. By the way, he won a championship in Cleveland, won a championship in Toronto, and he's now back with the Lakers with LeBron. And uh, the story goes like this. Um, he, he's a, he was a development coach uh, for, the, for the Lakers uh, in the 2009, 2010, or maybe it was 2011 or 12. And um, Kobe's like, hey, coach, can you come get some extra shots in with me? Um, can you meet me at four, right? So Phil, gets to El Segundo, which is where the Lakers train at four o'clock, or maybe it was five o'clock, or maybe it was three o'clock or something like that, like an obscure number. It wasn't 10, two, it was like three, four or five. And he's sitting around and he's like, Fuck, where is this guy? He's waiting on Kobe because he's gonna work out Kobe for a few extra hours. And so the next morning, Phil shows up to practice at 10, like as scheduled and Kobe threw the ball at him. And he's like, he's like, what? He's like, where were you? He's like, I was here. What are you talking about? I was here. I was here at three or four or five, whatever. He goes, he goes, AM or PM? <laughs> and he's like, I was here at PM. He's like, no, no, no. I want you here at AM. And so he's like, I want to be the first one in the gym. I want to have done like three or four hours before anyone gets here. And then I want to practice, <laughs> right? So I, I, I value and appreciate the goal for you, uh, the goal that you set of being first in the building. Um, I think it definitely sets the tone. Um, and uh, you've, you've definitely set a challenge for me. Unfortunately, I've got little kids that have to get off to school. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's the thing for me. It's like I, I, like, I know that the next three years for me is like, I'm in the absolute prime of my life where I've got opportunity. And it's like, with, with no compromises, you know what I mean? And like family is a compromise that I'll make one day and I'll put everything into that when yep. it's time to do that. Yep. But right now I'm like, why wouldn't I be the first one here, right? Down, it's like, man. I've got nothing to, to stop me. And a big part of that is like, it's a story I tell myself. It's like, cause that's the thing, like the, the more and more I learn about psychology, it's like my passion. It's like business is what I do, but psychology is my, my, like my one love. But it's like, the more I understand that and, and marketing as well, it's like, it's all about story. Story is our sense-making device. And it's like, when you understand that and you have self-awareness, you can harness the story you tell yourself totally. and use that as a tool for momentum. Yep. And it's like, that's what I do. It's like, okay, I'm my first person in here. It's like, you know, we all know that being the first one in here isn't the only thing that ties into what success is as a business owner, but it, 
it allows me to tell myself the story that yep. then, you know, how much momentum does that actually get me? It's, it, it, so it is momentum. It's also an outlook and a lens, right? Mm -hmm. So um, that is the sort of st starting line for you to get out of the gates early. Yeah. I'm the same. So when Orange Theory is open, you know, I'm at the 5 a.m. session, which means I'm up at 4. I'm in the car at 4.30. I'm at the studio by 10 to 5. I'm getting in that mind space. You know, my wife will say, do you really have to go so early? And the reality is I love coming out of the gym and actually being at my desk by 6.30 in the morning. And 6.30 to 9.30, I'm powering away, right? 9.30 to 5, I'm sort of available for the team and meetings and people that work on the 9 to 5 mm. schedule. And then I'll go home, do my, my stuff with the kids and, and hang out and do that. And then I'll spend the next, just an hour before I go to sleep, I'll start reading about stuff or planning what's gonna go on for the next day. So mm. it, for, I understand the early rise and the need to get here early um, is an operating rhythm within itself. Um, and definitely it's, it's a psychological thing. And if you're not doing it, people don't really understand it. But if you're in it, that, that speaks to me more so than anything you've ever said to me. Right, I get it. You don't have to say any more about it, um, but uh, that—that's where it's at. That's that's hustle, right? And it's and it's not fronting hustle. It's not. Oh, I get here early because like it's it's productive. Yeah, nobody knows I get here early. Like you know, like they do that's, now. Well, they do now, <laughs> but you know, it's like you know, it's like I just do it. And again, because it's the same thing. Like for me, as my business grows, you know, the, and the thing that you said is like you have to be there for people. You know, there's a lot of people that are relying on you. Yep. It's like. There's so much that I want to do. Like I want to read three hours a day. I want to do this. I want to do that. And it's like, okay, well now I have to do that between seven to nine. Yep. Or it's like, you know, I know that most people want my attention in our industry from 11. So it's like, okay, I've got till 11 to really get my grunt work done, totally. to get my bulk, my body of work done. And then after that, it's my, my, my role is to be available for whoever needs me yep. and, and that kind of thing. So I definitely understand that. Um, I want you to, to tell everyone a little bit about yourself um, yeah, sure. and, and give them a bit of an intro into your journey so far and, um, and you know, kind of how we are uh, gotten to, to where we are right now. Um, so I feel like we're somewhere between sort of like the batter's mound and first base, um, quite honestly. But um, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Toby. I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. Um, born and raised an entrepreneur and really didn't understand what any of that was until I had a eureka moment in 2003 where I bought a dog for my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife. And sadly, after 14 years, the dog has passed on. Uh, her name was Subi uh, and the light went on in my head. And Sim just said, to us, I, we just need a patch of backyard. I was living in a one bedroom apartment, bought a dog, um, didn't have a backyard. And Sim, my wife, my girlfriend at the time um, said, Tobes, we just need a patch of backyard on our balcony. And I kid you not, that, that was the start of a 10-year out-of-body experience. And what I mean by that is school wasn't really for me. I did okay, but not great. Um, went to university to study podiatry because I love shoes. Um, thought I could develop a fashionable but functional shoe brand. I worked at Foot Locker and Athlete's Foot, sort of just being around that space. And all my friends were doctors, lawyers, surgeons, dentists you name it, like really high, mm. high uh, socioeconomic status sort of people. Uh, so I thought I'll become a doctor in, in feet, but I'll use that knowledge to develop fashionable but functional shoes. Um, didn't work out because I studied three years at university, hated every minute of my life 
and uh, was learning skin and disease and fungus and everything but fashion and function, right? Um, so I turned to my mom and said, look, I know this isn't gonna make you happy or proud, but I promise you I'll, I'll make you happy and proud one day. Mm. Just let me go and get out of this bullshit that I don't wanna be a part of. Um, and she's like, son, like, if you're unhappy, like that makes me unhappy. Go be free, go do your thing, right? So as part of that journey, I, I you know, got into a relationship with Sim. I was like, fuck it, I'm just gonna move to Melbourne, see what's up. And then that Eureka moment happened. So the backstory is I'm not trained, educated. I mean, I finished school, I went to university for three years, got a head on my shoulders, I know what's up, but like I don't have a degree. Mm. Um, and uh, the Eureka moment was we need to patch a backyard on a balcony and it was kind of like, like I stood here and boom, like the 10 year path, like instantly f like soaked into my head. I knew exactly what needed to happen. I knew exactly where I needed to go. I knew exactly what I needed to, how to execute this thing. Um, and then I went on this journey uh, under the brand of Pet Lou, which was a dog potty system, mm. um, which uh, have sold millions of units worldwide now. Um, and uh, grew that business from a $20,000 loan. By, bearing in mind, I moved to Melbourne in 2003 with less than $4,000 in my bank account. No job, no nothing, and just love a love for a girl that I was seeing. Um, and borrowed $20,000 from her father. Paid him back within 24 hours because sales just boomed. Uh, we got on a TV show called The New Inventors, sold 500 units overnight. Um, they were $500 a piece at that stage because I hadn't hit critical mass or production or anything like that. So I made 200 grand in a night, paid my father-in-law back or my girlfriend's father at the time, uh, and then went on this journey of just sell, market, promote, sell the problem, um, and then introduce the solution. Uh, and grew that from zero to just shy of 10 million in revenue, debt-free, cash flow positive, over a 10-year span. So like, this isn't zero to hero yeah, overnight. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, landed up in Los Angeles. Um, probably two, three years into the venture. Uh, sorry, three years into the venture. Uh, no, five or six years into the venture. Sim goes to me, do you want to move overseas? I'm like, what the fuck? Like, we, we got this business now, like, and it's growing. And um, she's like, yeah, but like, let's put a general manager in and they can run Australia and you can go and launch somewhere else. I was like, so over a period of a year, we, we trained someone up and basically I disappeared from that Australian operation. And I said to her, like, where do you want to go? She's like, well, I asked you first if you want to live overseas. I was like, yeah. So I said on the count of three, let's tell each other like where we go. So she said LA and I said Los Angeles. <laughs> um, so we moved to Venice, Venice Beach, California in 2008, 2009. Um, no kids, two dogs, lived in a three bedroom apartment. And just what you said earlier completely comes back to here, which was I was working out of my three bedroom apartment. We were living abroad. It was just me and her. Um, and she'd come into the spare bedroom and go, hey, you want to go for a ride? Hey, you want to go get ice cream? Hey, you want to go get this? Da -da -da. Like, Babe, I'm, I'm working. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like you're your own boss. You can not do what you want, but like you can take a couple hours out. But my head's I've compartmentalized. I've stepped into that room. I'm in work, I'm in work. Mm. I may not physically be in an office. So out of need for sort of compartmentalizing and, and creating a barrier between work and play, 
I mean, it got really, it didn't get bad, but it got really bad to the point where she'd be like, hey, do you want to watch this TV show tonight? I'm like, yeah, I'd go to the toilet and um, I'd hear the chime of my inbox ring, like, bing, you got, you, you got mail. Um, I quickly check it before you know, it's like three hours later, I come out, she's fast asleep on the couch. I'm like, this just can't work, right? So I actually took my North American headquarters into the old Google headquarters in Santa Monica. It was on six in Arizona. Some guy had moved in there called, uh, and turned the place into rock real office centers. And it was basically an old Google headquarters. So it had all the cool funky stuff. Um, Google moved to Venice and this building, three-story building with rooftop all Wi-Fi up, um, opened up. And so I took a two person private office and man, that was 09. So I was nine years into my venture or eight years into my venture, I came alive. I was like, fuck, there are other people in this world that act and feel like me mm. and are going through the trials and tribulations of entrepreneurship, getting kicked in the dick all day, every day and still like, no, 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 they, you know, there's gotta be a better way. Um, and Travis Kalanick launched Uber there. Um, we had an overflow office for Evan Spiegel's business, Snapchat. Uh, we had a few Facebook, like private, like business units there. Um, and a whole bunch of other awesome entrepreneurs. Uh, Brian from BuddyTrack, which was basically the Uber of removals. Um, you know, you have a truck, you can help sign out. Yeah, so like, uh, and mobile marketplace became really, really powerful. Um, and so it was just really cool being surrounded by like-minded professional people that were like, I'm gonna go carve my own path. I see the highway and that's cool for people, but I wanna go where it's muddy and dirty and try and turn that, turn that into the highway, right? Um, and so um, I accelerated, like the company that I was in, well, Petlu had, had accelerated purely because every day I jumped out of bed, did my exercise and got to this building and was like inspired and motivated by not only the space, I was at the old Google HQ, but also the people that were in there and I had lunches and breakfasts and after work drinks and this and that, like, some of the most elite people in Los Angeles in what they call Silicon Beach, which mm -hmm. is a small, smaller suburb of Silicon Valley, uh, LA San Fran war. Um, but at the time that I was there, LA had the upper hand on San Francisco, um, primarily because of Snap and other companies like that. Um, but uh, yeah, it was exhilarating. And so I was, that, that environment helped me escalate I escalated, successfully exited, um, stayed in the US for probably four or five years after. At this stage, had kids, so I couldn't just kind of like, all right, we're leaving. Had to get my dogs vaccinated, had to get them on a quarantine program. My kids were in school, they had to finish, I wanted them to finish their, their grades or their year. Uh, and then in 2016, uh, uh, October 16, we came home to Australia. My wife's like, now what? Now what are you gonna do? I'm like, I'm gonna do a better version of rock. I'm gonna do my own version of rock. I wanna build a space where people feel from all walks of life, if they've got an idea and they wanna do good, then Creative Cubes is their platform for them to be able to rise up on. Uh, and so se September of 17, I think September 11, 2017, uh, which is a massive omen, all, all the negativity associated with September 11, I was like, we're gonna kind of buck the trend here we're gonna deliver something really special and we opened Richmond. Uh, and a year later we opened Hawthorne and in March of, uh, sorry, February of 20, we opened South Melbourne with Carlton, Collingwood and East Melbourne. 
like under construction, still ready to go and big, some big opportunities in Sydney that we're planning uh, in some sort of formal fashion. And it's working. Um, and coronavirus really fucking sucks. But I think that what it's done is everyone working from home has validated that so long as I'm plugged into the net, as long as I have good quality Wi-Fi, I can basically run my business. Mm. Um, and so now I think, not, not I think, I say that just to be polite and gentle, but now companies are turning and going, why the fuck do I need all this real estate? My staff are happy working from home. Sure, some of them can't work there full time, but do I need a thousand square meters on Collins Street? Not really. We had a huge 80 person law firm come through here. They're like, we would never have looked at you guys. But the fact that my staff are happy working from home, they can't meet their clients at their kitchen table. So we need a professional uplifting environment, but I don't need to be paying $500,000 a year in Collins Street. Mm. I'll just take three offices here. It might cost me a hundred grand or 50 grand or whatever the number is and rotate people through. This works for us. And so I think that I believe, and James can qualify this, I say this a lot, but good people win in the end. And I think that we started off with, hey, we're gonna be sort of like a satellite offering for large companies, or we're gonna be a place where startups or small businesses can actually have something that ordinarily they couldn't afford to have on their own, and they can have a slice of it. And I think right now, what's happening is the market's actually swimming towards us rapidly as they try to decentralize the workplace as they start to uh, allow their staff to work remote, um, but still need some sort of corporate HQ. Um, and so I think that that is obviously it's a, a moment in time that we're in right now, but I, I really believe that good people win in the end and Creative Cubes is here for people. It doesn't exist for any other reason. Um, and so I'm hoping that on the backside of this, you know, Creative Cubes becomes almost like the Hilton or a Ritz-Carlton where it becomes a national, I mean, they're global brands, but it becomes a Creative Cubes, I've heard of them, amazing places, you know, um, the QT of the hotel of workspace, where all you have to do is focus on what you do. Don't worry about the desk, don't worry about the power, don't worry about anything, just execute and grind, we'll take care of everything else. Um, and so I think that that's a winning formula going into, you know, a post-COVID world. I, yeah, I mean, uh, the I think the thing that you know, brings home from what you said is the, especially like the startups, right? Like I think, you know, naturally, and I, I'm, I would say this from experience, like, you know, we are very much a startup in, in what we do. So um, are we, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, you know, just being around other people that are going through similar situations that you can connect with and run ideas through, like that is very much, and, and, and also being around your own team as well, like that is very much... Um, and and the, the kind of um, studies show this is a massive, plays a massive role in the success of a company. Yep. It's like, you know, I would love to say that my, you know, um, my, my business could be 110% successful from working in my office and having my team work remotely. Um, and that may be true for companies that already have all their systems in place that have been around for five to 10 years. But I can say that honestly, during this startup phase, the, the, the fact that now, you know, we've brought in another team member here, that has just played an absolutely pivotal role. Like just the last couple of weeks having him in here is like just bouncing off and, and having the energy together yep. has made both of us so productive and yep. the innovation that comes from that goes through the roof. And I think it's a, 
it's a testament to what the to the concept right it's like because that's what it's there for the concept is there to bring people together allow them to connect but give them this this um environment that Framework. makes them better yeah. that allows for a greater opportunity at success so there's a couple there's so much in that um the first thing is that if you look at today and the attention today from a media standpoint um a lot of it's actually happening on the phone Mm. So all these companies, Channel 7, Channel 9, Channel, the, the television has in some, in some ways really lost its value. Like Foxtel, I don't have Foxtel. I was spending a hundred bucks a month on Foxtel. We never used it. It was just an absolute waste. My kids are on their iPad streaming mm. Netflix um, or, or YouTube or YouTube kids. Uh, I don't really watch TV. I like to read a lot. Um, but but the, the value of what was is no longer. And so when you talk about having teammates in here and powering businesses and established businesses, I actually think established businesses are uh, in even more trouble. I mean, I don't wanna like talk about customer base or anything like that, but like, you know, if you look at Kodak, the camera, they turned down the rights to, to create the digital because they thought that the quality wasn't there and they were too proud of their print and, and their mm. film. Yet, look at Instagram and how that's completely toppled. Or you look at YouTube, um, was built in a garage, and how many billions of hours are viewed on a daily basis um, versus you know someone sitting in front of the TV at seven o'clock on Channel Seven tonight, right? Mm. In fact, my kids were like, "Hey, Dad, for fun, can we sit in front of the television and they tell us what to watch?" So, in other words, like. As an example, when I was growing up as a kid, Home and Away was a big show. Well, if you went in front of the TV at seven o'clock on channel seven, you missed Home and Away. Whereas my kids are like, dad, I wanna watch this, search, play, right? It's, it's this on demand. And so I think the, a lot of those established media outlets, you know, look at, look at magazines, you know, mm. everything's on the digital. So if you haven't pivoted to digital, like you're gonna die. Um, and so I think now, the, level, the playing fields are actually quite level. So a guy that's got a couple of employees ready to sort of execute on your idea has a greater chance than someone that has legacy because Toby, that's the way it's been for the last 50 years. Adapt or die, right? Right, yeah. You know, there's hundreds of, hundreds of companies. Like people used to say, fuck Amazon, they killed, they killed retail. No, Amazon didn't kill retail. Amazon put themselves in a position to capitalize as retail started to die, yeah? And so it's kind of like, go where the puck is going, not where the puck is, if you're talking hockey terms. Um, and so I love the idea of um, giving the community at Creative Cubes, what I refer to as my people, the framework and then putting the right people inside the four walls, like yourself, like James, and there's, 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 there's over a thousand active members on a monthly basis here, um, and plus all the people that they bring in. So I noticed before here, you had a guest come in and then left. So, you know, there's probably, you know, on, a, on an average, on a pre-COVID day, there's probably 3,000 people that come in and out of our buildings every day, uh, at three locations. Um, making sure that the right people are coming in and the memberships team do a great job of blocking all the background noise and, and actually not enabling the wrong people in, that's fucking exciting. 
mm. and it's exhilarating at the same time. I think something you said before as well that just is really important is obviously the ability to build a digital brand, like, yep. you know, and, and, you know, that's hard to do from home, right? Like, you know, the one thing I can say is, you know, from somebody who worked from home a lot, you know, um, people being around, having to books, you know, podcasts at certain times, these sure. kind of things, like there's a flexibility that comes with being in a space like this um, that allows you to have privacy and allows you to also, um, you know, just execute, like, you know, yep. I, I, especially when you live at home, right? Like imagine you starting a podcast, right? And then having to run that podcast from home with kids yep. and, and the, just the dynamic yep. there, it's like, you know, that's, that's one thing that I think is underestimated <laughs> is the ability to actually build a digital brand. Um, and, and again, moving away from having, you know, an office space that costs you the $500,000 a year, um, where you can be flexible, um, it's cost effective, and you've got that ability to build a digital brand. Um, it's like the middle, the middle ground. Yeah. That benefits all walks of life, all different types of businesses. 100%, and I, I, think, I think there's a secret ingredient here that's almost unspoken, which is whether you're at home or whether you're at your corporate HQ, um, you're kind of consuming your own dog food, for lack of a better terminology. Mm. Whereas when you plonk yourself into this environment, your, your flavor or what you bring is really, really one ingredient to the whole pie, right? And so um, what's really refreshing is like a great example, Kalanick started Uber. Before it was what you see it is today, I was in the pet space. I was manufacturing pet products, selling them to retailers and distributors all over the world. And that was the business and the business plan. And we had an e-commerce, I so we sold to consumers. So if you were, I don't know, in Bulgaria and we didn't have a distributor, you could buy direct consumer direct off and we'd ship it worldwide, um, which happened more often than not. Um, but uh, I was in the pet space and I was hyper-focused on the pet space. Um, and I see Kalanix building this mobile marketplace. I was like really inspired. So my act two, which post Petlu was a business called Zingy, which was an on-demand mobile marketplace for dog walkers, right? Had I not been in that co-working space in downtown Santa Monica at the time when Uber was not what it was, I probably would have missed a huge opportunity. Mm. Now that business today actually runs under a brand called Rover. Rover is a mobile marketplace or marketplace for pet sitting, as well as dog walking, they do daycare and they do a whole bunch of things. And Ziggy was sort of morphed into their dog walking offering. But my point is that if I was in my own corporate HQ, tucked away and everyone was talking about pet loop products, this da 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 da, I would have missed where the heartbeat of the market is. Mm. Furthermore, if I'm at home, completely in the same environment, only having the same sort of stimulation on a daily basis, whether it's a channel I watch or whether it's the Twitter feed that I'm in or my IG you know, stories or whatever, those, that same stuff's just being consumed. There's nothing really new. Whereas if you're sitting in an environment like this, you know, we're rubbing shoulders every day, we're catching up over a, the sparkling water or a coffee or this or that, or we're going downstairs and grabbing some sushi and coming back up and, and continuing a conversation, I get intel on what's going on in your world, which then makes me think about how does that apply to my world? And hopefully I'm giving as much as I'm getting and I'm telling you about, and then all of a sudden you have these epiphanies and these like explosions. I think Elon Musk says, and I felt very much like this, and I'm sure you feel that same way, Kyle. Like I just have explosions going off in my head all day, every day 
of ideas and ways to attack and ways to block and the ways to grow and the ways to sort of like growth hack. Um, well, hopefully, and this is fact, not, not really a fairy tale, those sort of like, hey, you want to grab some sushi and have a chit chat, like those things kind of like add fuel to the fire. Um, and hopefully you get that spin, which ordinarily, if you're in your own world, in your own office, you just don't get. Well, you just don't see it. So it's kind of like, let's build a bigger mouse trap. Well, like bigger is not better, but like, what if we actually attacked it from this way? Oh, that's different. Fuck, I never thought about that. Wow. And then it just, those explosions happen. And all of a sudden this place becomes a space that just continues to give. Um, it's almost like, so the, the thing that like this, this podcast is actually called Pivotal Conversations, right? Yeah. So the whole thing is that, you know, you want to have conversations that um, spark innovation and, and like, that's almost what you're doing, right? It's like, that's the, you know, that's the hardest thing as like a, you know, let's say we work with a lot of sole traders, right? Yep. Sole traders spend a lot of time with themselves, right? And that can almost be their biggest enemy. It's like, they lack innovation. Why? Because they're not having enough conversations. It's like, now we wanted to deliver a podcast that gave them those conversations. Totally. But it's like, you know, now imagine you were having one of those every 30 minutes or yep. like every hour. Yep. You know, I can say that we, you know, we sit across from um, Steve who will display suite and it's like just having tech on the other side is yep. like game changing. Yep. You know, just like we, we, we just spitball like all day, just like boom, boom, boom. And it's like, just, it's game changing in terms of, what it can do for your innovation and, and just the, the, the thought that it does spark. Well, it keeps you at a pulse, right? Mm. It keeps you at a pulse of really where the market's at or where the market is going. And again, go where the puck is going, not where it is. Mm. And uh, I think some really crazy cool things happen. 100%. So, yeah. What are, you, what are you learning right now as a business owner going through this? you know, this weird time that is, is COVID and it's kind of gripping the world and, and it's, you know, it's very different for, for everyone, people, you know, <clears throat> us as business owners, yep. you've got, you know, just the everyday person um, who's working a nine to five. What are you learning as a business owner during this time? I think it's less about learning. Like when you say, what are you learning? Like I can tell you a dozen things, but I think the things that I reflect on is more of validation points. Um, around some of the beliefs and visions that we've had and how those are playing out. Mm. Um, in terms of like true learnings, um, you know, like you learn a lot about yourself. You learn a lot about tolerance, uh, resilience, uh, grit, belief in yourself. Um, one, of the thing, one of the things that's played out for me during this whole situation is when I was a kid, I used to watch The Simpsons, seven o'clock, channel 10, <laughs> right? Um, and um, there was this one episode which just st has stayed with me forever. And Homer gets a donut. He's like, saved all his money. Or I don't remember how he ends up getting this donut. And he gets this donut. And he's about to put this donut in his mouth. He's like like salivating for this donut. And he, someone comes past and bumps his arm and he worked at a nuclear power plant. So it actually fell into like, waste contaminated waste he's like oh it's okay it's got a little bit of waste on it no, no problem meanwhile it's like nuclear um then then all of a sudden he like picks it up oh it's hot and he fumbles it and it goes into like the the sewage canal and he oh it's got a little bit of sewage on it it's okay it's okay and he basically chases this thing all through springfield um where the where the city that it's the simpsons are set in 
And this donut is just getting beat to shit. The cars, cars run over it, but somehow then a cat picks it up and like, then the dog chases the cat, the cat lets it go and it fucking yeah. falls in pile of shit. And his optimism for this donut, oh, it's got a little bit of this on it. Oh, it's got a little bit of that on it. It's okay, it's okay, is what, what I'm doing right now with COVID. <laughs> yeah. Right? Oh, fuck, we're not allowed to work from work. It's okay, we'll work it out. Like, oh, fuck, we have to wear masks. Oh, shit, okay. Or we're going into another 60 lockdown. Oh, fuck. It's okay, it's okay. Um, and, and at that same time, I've got to be realistic, but at the same time, I've got to remember what my position is on the, on the field or on the court. I'm the leader. So if my head drops, my team's heads drop. So my head can't drop. No matter how dirty and fucked up that donut is, my head has to stay really high. And I have to have belief, otherwise I'm fronting and I'm not a fronter. I'm, I'm trying to be authentic and real at all, at all junctions. Mm. Um, even if it's saying something that's not great or not comfortable, um, I need to be real at all times. Um, and so I guess, you know, with that in perspective, I guess from a little, little story and a little bit of a lens there, um, I'm, I'm not blindly optimistic because I paid a price for being blindly optimistic historically. So I'm strategically optimistic, but I'm fucking optimistic. And I can't ever look at the downside. It's just not in my DNA. Um, fortunately, I have great people on my team, my leadership team and the support team that can kind of voice those concerns or doubts. And I need to be able to listen, not just hear, um, hear what they're saying, um, but then just continue to execute. And yeah, the fucking donut just got beat to shit. Yeah, the market just got fucked up. But I th I'm actually quite excited. Still there, it. right? And, and I think that's the point, right? It's like, there's a book called, um, I think it's Rational Optimistic. Uh, I, I think I read like half of it. It was one of those things I got half into and never finished. But I mean, I think that's almost what you're trying to say, right? It's like, it's not about being blindly optimistic and just chasing the nut in a sense. It's more about, okay, well, I'm, I'm gonna be rational about this. I know where I stand, but that doesn't mean I don't execute. That doesn't mean I give up. Correct. You know, and it's like, you can actually take lessons from, you know, you look back and you go like, okay, have you seen Winston Churchill's movie? It's about, so it's about like the war and how they were, you know, England were down and out. And it's like, you can take absolute lessons from this is that, you know, in your darkest times, that and when you're at your most vulnerable, that's when you do your best work. And I think that's like we we often learn our most in those dark times, and it's a part of the cycle. You know, like it's like we all go through these dark times as a business owner. Mate, you ha I, I like I've got a really good friend who uh, moved from Sydney to Melbourne to take on a role as chief digital officer of, of a public company. I won't say it anymore. Um, and he, he and I have often shot the shit, whether we're swimming in his pool or, you know, you know, hanging out. And he's like, Toby, I only learn when, when, when the chips are down. Um, I've only learned from losses, you know, and, I'm, and I've grinded my way through it. But when the music's on and the party's happening, like there's not a lot of people that are conscious to, what if this all fucking falls over tomorrow, right? And so if it does all fall over tomorrow, the there's going to be so many lessons from that and that optimism and belief not only in yourself but the mission and the vision 
uh, and belief in the people. So a lot of this stuff for me is like, I can't let down Jade, Katie, Dave, Joe. I can keep going, the whole list, right? I can't let them down. They're my direct team, but I can't let them down because they can't let down mm. Kyle, James, uh, Jill, mm. um, Karen, so on and so forth, right? And so there's this, there's this cascading effect. But I gotta tell you, when the shit hit the fan, uh, Friday the 13th of March, mm. when the, that Monday when we returned to the office, everything was different. And the first thing I did was like, it's game time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's fucking go. Because I feel like the playing field had been leveled big time. And I think one of my strengths is speed speed to market, speed to execution, so long as it's quality, not quantity, right? The world belongs to the quick, not the big. Yeah, so it's the fast that eats the slow, not the big that eats the small, mm. yeah? Uh, and so I think speed to market is critically important. We live in this world at Creative Cubes from an operating team's perspective, it's progress over perfection. So we're sitting in this beautiful room. I can see some marks over there. I'm like fucking not happy, but we've progressed the ball. We have people in here, we have people loving it. Um, and so um, I'm wildly optimistic about what the future looks like. And as an employer of incredibly talented people, my first port of call is I don't hire talent to tell them what to do. I hire talent so they can tell me what to do. The talent pool out there right now is the next war because there's all these people that were in big businesses that don't have the same business that they had pre Friday the 13th of March that are now out there, crazy talent that I want to acquire, I want to bring on board so we can just continue to execute on our mission and vision. Um, so I think it's only when the chips are down, the water is out, you realize who's swimming naked. Mm. That's when I fucking thrive, man. Like this is, this is what it's about for me. Now I don't want to see anyone get hurt. And I don't want to see people lose their livelihoods. Likewise, you know, people feeling worthless because I'm here to tell you everyone in this world plays a really important role, um, uh, whether they believe in themselves or not. I believe in people. Um, and so uh, this is a time. This is that time where everything's getting reset and you're right at ground zero and you're fit, healthy, you eat well, you sleep well, you train hard. I think you can run up the mountain pretty quickly. There's gonna be some potholes and some shit that you're gonna to have to get through that you're not gonna to want to do. But if you can get through that and get to the other side, it's, it's, it's limitless in terms of opportunity. Yeah, I mean, and I think as well, like there's a few things to unpack there, but I think the, yeah. First, yeah, the first thing, right, is like, you know, as a business owner, you have to have that in you, right? You have to have that thing when like, when, when shit starts to hit the fan, you have to have, have that, you know, like, and, and you did it perfectly. It's the rubbing the hands together. And Let's like, go. This is what I'm actually in this for, right? And it's like, that's like, for me, that's the most important thing. Cause it's like, it's not if it's when, and it's continuous. Like it's well, like- but if, but if it's not, like you're gonna get benched, the market's gonna swallow you. And that might be where you need to be so that you can learn what happened and what went wrong and all the rest of it. But someone that has weathered a few storms 
like at least from my from my seed. Um, by the way, I like nowhere near God's gift to anything. I grew up with very little. I lost my dad when I was young. I grew up with a mother that had unconditional belief in her kids, and I had I was pretty athletic as a kid. Won a lot of events, whether it's athletics, basketball, whatever, and. I remember running the 1500, which I was a state champion in, in school. It means nothing now. I'm 40 this year. <laughs> um, and I remember my mom fucking running the inside of the track while I'm running and fucking hustling. My mom was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The fucking 1500 meters, right? Or the 800 meters or whatever. She was running and like, or when I'm swimming, I lift up and I see my mom like, go son, go. Like, that's enough for me. And so if you're not about that mindset, that's okay. You don't have to be and don't try to fake it till you make it. But if you have that in, it's fucking go time. Now, while everything is dark, it's time to turn on the lights and just fucking go. That's my opinion. Well, I think you have to have it, right? Like, you, and, and I mean, cause it's, we can see that this stuff happens. Like even if we just look at the pandemic, right? Like we haven't seen one of them in a long time, but what we do see is these economic cycles, yep. right? So they continuously come. So we totally. know if you understand that, you understand that every 10 years, so around that, Ish. you're going to face some fucking pretty tough times, yep. right? One in, you know, there's the stat, it's like, you know, uh, one in 10 business owners makes it past the 10 year mark. Yep. That's probably why. Right. But it's like on a smaller level, you go through that on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. It's like, okay, I'm reading a book at the moment called Innovation Stack. Yep. Jim McKelvey, owner of Square or yep. founder of Square with Jack Dorsey. Um, and what he talks about is like, he calls it like the most successful companies in the world all have one thing in, in, in um, common. It's called an innovation stack. You innovate and to become an entrepreneur, you create a concept. That concept then, you know, you reach a problem and you're like, okay, well, I have to fix this problem in order to make it successful. That next one is a problem. And it's like, you end up creating this innovation stack yep. and you're fixing these problems. Yep. Now it's like every single day is an innovation stack. It's like, if you're not facing problems, you're not, you're not doing enough. You're not making that happen. And it's like, when you get to those problems, it's like, that's the rubbing the hands together. It's like, I've got to have this otherwise I'm get consistently getting beaten. And that's the one thing, you know, you said before that like resonates is that, you know, once you have a team that all are on this, you know, you're on this journey together and you've got this one vision and it's, it's actually connected. And then you've got clients and you, you, you know, you've gone through somewhat of success relative to, you know, your own journey then what you start to see is, is that it's bigger than you now. Like your problems mean absolutely jack shit in the grand scheme of what could go wrong here. Yep. And it's like, that is a powerful tool. And, and again, it's, it's tenacity, right? Like tenacity is the, the scientific term, if that's what you want to call it. But the ability to hold on is what, you know, that's because if you hold on long enough, eventually, whether you adapt to the situation or whatever we want to call it, but you springboard back, mm -hmm. right? And then you start to build momentum mm -hmm. and then, you know, and, and you do that enough and you get to these really dark points, you know, like, and, and you don't necessarily realize it straight away. Like we all have negative self-talk. We all have times where we sit there and we're like, oh, this is getting tough. But then it's like, hey, I've been here. I've been there, I've done that. And then you sit there and you're like, okay, let's do this again. Totally. And then you realize that you're in this moment. And again, the story changes. It's like the story goes from, I'm in a tough position, poor me to this is fucking amazing. This is like, this is what I'm actually here for. This is what I'm meant to do, right? It's like when a QB 
or you know somebody's taking the winning shot it's like that's what i'm actually here for this is what the practice has been for like i'm not in business to just to only embody the successful times i need to embody every single element and that includes the deepest darkest times and that's when you do your best work like i often talk about i'm I'm come from a scientific background in in kind of um, fitness right so nobody remembers you for the top of your squat like you know you look you know you know yeah. and, and this is more like powerlifting, right but it's like you, you get remembered for the bottom of your squat because mm-hmm. if there's 400 kilos sitting on on your back you know the top of the squat means nothing it's at the bottom when you're at your most vulnerable that's when your body does its most amazing things why because you're at your most vulnerable mm-hmm. that's survival mm-hmm. right that is survival so it's like i often say that to myself it's like nobody remembers me for the top of my squat like nobody remembers me for the good times yep they only remember me for the bad yep right? and that's legacy and that ties into that is like you know the, the ability to i like the term mindfulness right like it's it often gets chucked into this hocus pocus category like you know yoga babble type stuff mm-hmm. but it's like mindfulness is actually a skill totally. to break that chain of thought to to you know sam harris says it to to break the spell and my ability to practice that to be good at it and then change the story i'm telling myself and start to rub my hands together in these deep dark moments is ultimately what's going to allow me to make progress mm-hmm. and like you said before it's progress like it's like i don't care if we're not perfect what i do care about is that if we're not trying to make progress yep. and as a leader i think and, and everybody who owns a business should view themselves as a leader like yep. if you're not a leader what are you yep and even if you're the only person in your business like you should be leading yourself you should be reiterating these stories in your head that like this is how i want to act yep um I think it's one one thing that's really important and I hope we're giving tremendous value here is that none of this shit happens in 10 minutes, yeah? Right? right? Definitely not. So I just want to make sure like people understand that a level of success, I'm 20 years in, right? 20 years in from being an entrepreneur, I was born an entrepreneur. I was inspired by my environment or I got triggered um, to, to have a crack and the rest is what it is. But 20 years in, man. So everything around me, everything that's going on has taken 20 years to get here. I wanna make sure that people listening to this today or watching on my vlog or however they get, they come across this, they understand that I like to look at things as a daily KPI, right? Those dailies, and James, I've said this to you before, those dailies over a week add up. Over a month, make that even bigger. Compound effect. Yeah. And it's not, yeah, it's compounding, but it's also, um, it's not linear, right? It's, it's exponential compounding. Um, and so um, if you can come into your place of work today and say, these are the three things that I need to execute on. And there's gonna be 30 other things that come in and distract you and fucking take your mind into different places or put you in different holes. If you, so long as you execute on those three things, it might be one thing, it might be 10 things. Um, so long as you execute and then you show up the next day and go, right, yesterday was great, but today it's zero, zero. And I'm gonna go out there and score again, or I gotta block, or I gotta stop, stop the spend, or whatever the case may be. Those things add up and those things add up very quickly. And you don't need to be in a hurry to do this in 10 minutes. You know, you talk about squatting before, like how long did it take you to get to that maximum weight? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I did a podcast with a guy. Um, it was probably one of our first ones, and and it was the the name ended up being "Are you here to stay?" And I think like business is one of those things that like 
if you're not here to stay and it's not successful and the chances of success, the, the stats are there, like the odds are against you. So if you're not here to stay, right, it can, you know, it can, it can swallow you and, yep. and it can push you into a dark place. And yep. I think like one thing that it's like, it's got to be about who you are. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, you know, you got to love, love this thing. You got to love what you do yep. and you got to love it so much that these, you find peace in these dark times. Right. Otherwise it's like, you're in the wrong game. Totally. Right. And, and the, the, it isn't for everyone. Like owning a business is not for everyone. And, and, and you must pick your course. Yeah. But if you've got this in you, um, you need to fucking go at it. Right. I'm talking to you, James, like, I make the joke and I've sent in a text message. He just upgraded to a two-person private office. This guy came in three years ago, two and a half years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Skateboarding a camera. Now we've got lights, we've got multiple cameras, we've got lapel mics. Uh, he was working on a dedicated desk. Then he scaled it up. He had three dedicated desks. Now he's in like the penthouse. Um, but three years ago, just a kid with a skateboard and a camera that wanted to capture people's stories and help help those, help people tell their story, right? If that's tr if this is if this is coming, if there's something in there, don't die wondering. Have a crack. I'd rather die knowing that I fucking couldn't do it, than like, oh, maybe I should have had a crack and I didn't. And that's it. That's it for me as well. Like it's like you know I don't I don't ever want to get to sixty and I'm sitting there telling or seventy and like telling my grandkids stories and, and like, you know, while I'm telling the story, I, I imagine this, like, this is, this is what goes through my head. I'm telling the story and I don't ever want to, I don't ever want to feel like I have to tell them something else yep. or like that I would have to say to them, yeah, like I could have been this or I could have been that. Like for me, life is about that. And, and it encapsulates everything I do, not just business. Like I often say, I want to be the best dad in the world. Totally. Hands down. But that, that actually dictates how I, run my business because it's like, it's how I treat people. It's, it's, you know, and again, it ties into everything, you know, when I'm the granddad, you know, um, being a granddad is almost about being the best dad in the world because you're doing that for the love of your, your child. And it's like, you know, I think about this regularly and I just think about it. It's like, okay, what's going through my head when I'm telling that story? Do, did I have regrets? Did I not follow through? Did I not, you know, maybe try to my best to reach my potential and, and, you know, that's what I think about because it drives me in, any, in every situation to, to treat people with respect. It's like, you know, very easy to get caught up in your own, in your own life and, and, you know, um, uh, drinking your own soup. And then that can affect how you treat people. It can affect how you run your business. It can affect how you treat your partner. It can affect all of these things. And the one thing that I will say is that, like, if you are here to stay, you've got to love what you've got to do. You've got to... And you've got to have that higher vision with, with the person you want to be because it's not in those dark times, it's not so much the, and, and you can, I'd love to hear your opinion on this, but for me, it's not about the vision that I have. It's about the person I am. Mm -hmm. Like, cause the present moment is all I ever have. Mm -hmm. Like I can, if I'm always surrendering my happiness to this future time, then I'm always going to be suffering. It's like, I want to, I want to use that vision. But it's 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 about the person I become on the way to that vision. Yep. It's about the person I am right now, and that is what that is what dictates me or dictates my actions yep. in that present moment. So you know when I'm when I'm you know handing my happiness over to this future time, 
like you know, during COVID, right? It's like, it's, it's easy to sit here and complain. It's easy to sit here and, and wish that it's over and wish that it would happen and point the finger at this person and say this. But at the end of the day, like that's not, I, I am who I want to be. And I, I, I have the choice to choose to be that person totally. right now. And that affects the very people around me. And I think it's about who you are and, you know, and, and a vision of the future that you got to use for that motivation to be the person you want to be in the present moment. Yep. Because that builds your world. The, 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 that fire is uh, very timely. Um, yesterday, Simi and I looked at a house and we were going to turn ourselves into a pretzel to, you know, if we did three years at interest only and then we did 27, maybe we can like earn more income to then chip up. And I'm like, like we're talking about three years away. Like that's not guaranteed. And between now and then, like I just don't want to go through motions. And she's like, I'm so glad you're saying this because I don't want to either. Like we thought we'd just, oh, this would be really cool to have for the kids and we can entertain people and have this. The reality is nothing's guaranteed, mm. right? And so you've got to be present. You've got to be in the moment. You've got to be, your happiness has to be today. Um, sure, you might have something on the weekend that you're looking forward to and all the rest of it, but Make sure that you're not just going through the motions to get to that time, to then soak up that time and then have a go pie and then you kind of drop back into um, the motions again. Um, I think you've got to live. COVID has taught us anything is that nothing is guaranteed and you've got to be present and you've got to execute and it's not going to be easy. And I think I potentially even jinxed the whole thing because I think you sit right in front of a, a wall that says, will it be easy? Nope. Will it be worth it? Absolutely. And that's what of kind of summarizes uh, 2020. But if we can get to the other side together, I think there's some good things to be had. Um, but I would never be planning years out from right now. I'd be planning, you know, six to 12 and then sort of like reassessing at that. Uh, and I think that the, if you shorten those goals and you shorten that, then, you know, you might be more fulfilled as opposed to being sort of extrapolated right out. Powerful stuff. It's, I mean, and, and the few, like, the, that, that long-term goal is, and this is the thing, right? It's like, you can set a long-term goal, but it, it, you, you also have to get that middle piece, right? So like you've got this long-term goal, nothing, and then right now, it's like, you're always gonna surrender your happiness there, but it's like, totally. that long-term goal only exists yep. for that short-term goal. It's like, that did, you know, if, if I can create alignment for, for this vision that I had in like five years time, to be honest, like, uh, I think my vision of five years time changes every 30 minutes, right? Cool. Right. But it's like, it's that it's, it's okay. Well, how do I then plan the next month and execute on that or the next week or the next day to then make sure? Cause again, it's, it's only the fact that I believe that people feel fulfilled when they feel like they're doing the work in alignment with that vision. And yep. then they feel unfulfilled when they, when they're not. Yep. Right. And it's, so if we actually look at that. It's very then, black and white, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, I'm fulfilled when I feel like I'm reaching my potential. And when I'm not, I'm not fulfilled. Like when I feel like I'm off track, I don't feel fulfilled. That's what causes me suffering. Yep. So it's like, I, I really think that it's about, you know, again, having that vision, but understanding that that vision only exists for your present moment and how you execute over the next you know, week, month, right? Because it continuously changes. Um, and I think it's like, that's, we get so caught up on that long-term vision and, and what every, you know, 
stereotypical success and what I should be doing and what I should have and like, you know, the house I should have, I should buy it. I need to have property by the time I'm 27 and like all of these different things. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, but if that doesn't work, um, then that's okay as well, right? Um, one of the biggest things that I learned when I moved to Melbourne and to be with Sim, and I've got to be honest with you, like she's, she's a lot of power for me, right? She's, she's a woman that's taught me so much more than, than a degree or anything like that. Um, and when I, when I started to like, when we started having our relationship and started seeing on each other, she told me very quickly, she's like, fuck it. That's what you want to do. If that one makes you happy, just fucking do it. Right. Um, whereas I was always like, not, I, I guess I, I, I kind of like denied or didn't embrace who I really was. Mm. Cause I was really worried about like, is that, has that, does it have self-worth? Um, and she's like, fuck it, just be you. Mm. And the second I turned into embracing who I really was and really understanding who I really was, mate, I've been fucking limitless for the last 20 years, but it took me 23 years to get there. Now, sure, kid, young, you know, growing up, going through all the, you know, trials and tribulations of a teen and, uh, and then, uh, you know, tragic, tragedy to losing my father. But um, when I lent in on myself, that's when I became, that's when like, the world changed for me. So I, don't, I actually don't give a fuck anymore. I act and care with love and compassion. But at the end of the day, it, like if this, whatever was going on does not make me happy, I'm cool, not rude, not obnoxious. I'm cool to walk away. Or if my best is not good enough, that's okay. Maybe I'll come back and be able to recompete and sharpen my skills and then re-engage. Or maybe it's kind of like I was doing it for the wrong reasons in the first place. Mm. But the second you embrace you, the second you embrace who you are, where you've come from, what you're about, and you dial in on that, that's when you become limitless. Um, and that's not bags of money, and that's not like the happiest guy in the world because I say I'm the happiest guy in the world. It's, I know who I am. I know who I've got around me. I know my family loves me. I only strive to make my mom, my sisters, and my wife and my kids extremely happy. Um, or proud and anything else is a bonus mm. and that's how I operate and I'm happy to take bullets I won't ever shoot the bullet but I'll take the bullets and I'll walk away if I'm not good enough or if I don't see value or if it's not making me happy I'm not just going to stay in the game for the sake of appearances and I'm okay to take the bullet and say that didn't work and I, I was shit ass at it or we didn't execute and we we're really bad you know, it's part of the growth um, and it's day by day. That doesn't take away from the fact that the spreadsheet says four or five years from now, this is where we should be. But it doesn't matter what that says in four or five years. It's about what needs to happen today mm. and where do I need to be today in order to add that to that BHAG, that big hairy audacious goal. Mm. Man, I could speak all day with you. I really could, but like I'm way behind schedule. Thanks for having me on your show. No stress, man. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for being here. It was amazing. Yeah, I think one-on-one -on -one is greater than two here. Um, and I'll, I'll leave you with this. I believe in this theory of 100. 
there's no science here. So try challenge it and it'll probably fall over. But Simone and I, as, as a married husband and wife, we add up to 100%. She loves to sleep. Sleeping for me is a fucking speed bump. <laughs> right? I have to slow down and sleep. Um, she loves to sleep. But together, so she might be like 98% sleep. I'm like 2% sleep. Right? But together we add to 100%. I'd like to sound really funny. She thinks I'm not. I like to think I'm really funny. So I'm like 80% and she's 20% funny, right? Um, she, she, you know, and, so, and so together we add up to 100% on all things. I run like crazy. She likes to walk, <laughs> you know? Um, I think that when you surround yourself with other people, that same theory plays true. Um, I feel like in this case, I feel like it's greater than 100, but I'm catching what you're what you're pitching and putting on the table and picking up what you're putting down. Um, and I think it's really, really powerful. And um, I'm glad you're here because even though we're recording some stuff, this stuff just continues on well, when the recording is on. Right? We'll be talking about it <laughs> yeah. there, right? And that's the beautiful thing about this place is that, you know, our, it's just like the conversations. Again, this podcast is called Pivotal Conversations. We get conversate, we try to have conversations that matter, but really these is, this is what happens in an environment. Um, where everybody's you know striving to be their best. Yeah. Everybody, you know, we're bouncing. So, big thanks for coming on, man. I really, really appreciate it. I'm I'm glad to be on your show at my house. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, guys. Hey guys, this is just a friendly reminder that if you enjoyed this episode, if you got something out of it, if you learned, if this conversation sparked some innovation and change in your mind, uh, then hit the subscribe button so that we can continue to, to generate some great conversations with those that are successful in the industry that you know, spark change and innovation in your mind and, and really just make a difference in your life. And again, if it is something that you continuously enjoy, uh, you can also leave us a review in the iTunes app, uh, uh, which is just located below this episode. You'll be able to find it. Big thanks, guys. Big love. And I'll see you in the next episode.